Hello, I'm Dr Lee Gatiss. I'm the Director of Church Society and a member of the editorial board of our theology journal. I'm joined today by my colleague, Dr Ros Clark, who's also the course leader of the Priscilla Programme, a training course for women run in collaboration with Union School of Theology here in the UK. And Ros and I are joined today by three bishops from around the world. Uh, Dr Peter Jensen, former Archbishop of Sydney, uh, who is the editor of our Theology Journal at present. Good to welcome Peter. We're also joined by Dr Alfred Olwer, who's the Bishop of Lango in Uganda, and by Sammy Morrison, who's the Bishop of Valparaiso in Chile. And we're here to talk about our Theology Journal, and we're going to talk and introduce the new name for our journal. And we are live now on Facebook. Uh, it's great to see you all here. My name is Lee Gatis. I am the director of Church Society and a member of the editorial board of our uh, theology journal. It's called at the moment Churchman and has been since uh, 1879. Uh, here's a copy from the 50s and uh, here's what it looked like in the 1960s uh, and a bit later on. It's gone through many different uh, uh, reincarnations, as it were. Uh, some of the uh, <laughs> earliest journals had contributions from people like J.C. Ryle uh, back in 1879, and you can find some of those in this book, Stand Firm and Fight On. But today we are uh, relaunching the journal, uh, Churchman, and it's going to have a new name and a new global vision. And I'm delighted uh, to, to welcome some friends from around the world to <laughs> talk about that and to help with that launch. We're joined by our esteemed editor, uh, Dr. Peter Jensen, former Archbishop of Sydney, uh, who's, uh, who's there in Sydney today. We're joined also by Bishop Samuel Morrison from Valparaiso in Chile. Welcome. And also uh, by Bishop Alfred Olwer, the Bishop of Lango in uh, Uganda, who's in Kampala today. Thank you for joining us, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's wonderful we have this Good technology, the sort of thing that J.C. Ryle wouldn't have even been able to dream of back in 1879. <laughs> and now I'm going to hand you over now to our editor, Peter Jensen, to tell us all about the new name and the new vision for our journal, Churchman. Peter. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Lee. And it's great to speak to you, to my uh, personal friends who are right there, and to this listening audience. Uh, I first got to know Churchman when I was a theological student, wait for it, in 1966. Yes, that long ago. And I think it was my favourite journal. Um, why? Well, it wasn't specialist. I'm a generalist. I like to know what's going on all around the place. And one of the things about Churchman was that it would have articles on New Testament, Old Testament, on doctrine, on history, uh, on pastoral theology. And then there were the book reviews. The book reviews were great. They would just introduce you to a range of things. Ah, this has been published. I must read that. Or sometimes I won't read that under any circumstances. <laughs> so uh, it was and remains one of my favourite journals. Uh, I think the other thing is that it's always been there. It's aimed, I think, particularly at those who think and those who preach so that it, uh, it informs, it stimulates, it encourages, it reminds you. It's, it's, it's just the right sort of uh, journal 
for the person perhaps leaving college and going out, which journal should you take? Churchman. However, as we've been reminded by Andrew Atherston, the word churchman really means something like what we would think of as Anglican. It was churchman as opposed to the uh, other denominations in England. So Anglican is what we may call it. But we're not just thinking and never did really think of merely the British Isles. Uh, this journal goes to all parts of the world. So the new name, Global Anglican, or rather the Global Anglican, because we are hoping that this wonderful journal will not only reach Anglicans around the world, but also benefit from the enrichment that comes to us from Anglicans all around the world. And you'll be delighted to hear that in our first uh, iteration of this new journal, uh, two of the articles are written by bishops from Africa, one from Kenya and one from Nigeria. And they have made that contribution uh, as a sort of a, a foretaste of the riches that are to come, I hope, uh, as people from all around the world contribute, uh, keeping it the same. We want it to be the same journal in a way because it's so good, but we want it to be reaching more people and we want it to be enriched by more people. That's the vision. And uh, we hope the new name encapsulates that vision. Lee, back over to you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, Peter, was, was all this your idea? I just want to ask you, was all this your idea? Has it come from you? Certainly not. You wouldn't know me very well if you thought that. I am a deep guy conservative. And the minute I heard we were going to change the name, I objected and was regretfully hauled into the new name. But I have to say, and I'm not joking, I love it. The right decision. As usual, as usual, I always say to people, when you take my advice, do the opposite and you'll be okay. And I say, in this case, I wouldn't have changed it. No. And I was wrong. And the new one is right. Well, we were glad to be able to change your minds. Uh, Ros and I were very pleased when we could persuade the, the editorial uh, team to do that uh, and to bring others involved in, in that as well. Yes, Ros, I think Ros in particular, you. wasn't it? Yes. I think it was Ros in particular who came up, uh, you yourself, of course, uh, but uh, it was Ros, I think, that we particularly owe this. I, I was quite keen to see the name change, that's certainly true. Not least because, as you say, Peter, the, the word churchman had a, had a meaning that was really valuable and important, but it's not really a meaning that people know today. And so I, no. I don't think it communicated well uh, at the moment. I'm not sure, I tried to share a screen earlier, but I'm not sure if it showed, so I'm just going to show people. We have got uh, physical copies of the actual journal here. You can also download the first issue free uh, as a PDF from the Church Society website. It's churchsociety.org forward slash global Anglican. You'll find all the information there and you will be able, uh, as I say, to download that. But we are also giving away this morning a year's subscription to the Global Anglican. So if you want to be in with the chance uh, of winning that, then please do leave us a comment or a question on the Facebook page. We will be uh, feeding in any of those questions that you want to 
ask of Peter or of Bishop uh, Sammy or Alfred uh, into the conversation. So please do leave the, the, any questions there uh, and we'll be keeping an eye on that as we go through. So we are really delighted to have a, a global panel joining us this morning. And one of the things that we wanted to do was just get a bit more of a sense of what the Anglican Communion worldwide, worldwide is like, how it's different in different places. Um, as a journal, we want to try and serve the whole uh, of the Anglican Church worldwide. And so part of that means we need to listen to uh, our brothers and sisters from different parts of the world. We've always had a team of global consultants and we've expanded that team uh, and both Bishop Alfred and Bishop Sammy are part of that team. So I'm just going to ask them now if they can tell us a little bit about the Anglican Church in their part of the world. And maybe Sammy, we could start with you. I know Chile uh, is one of the newest provinces in the Anglican Communion and that's really exciting. Perhaps you could just tell us a little bit uh, about what the church is like where you are. Oh. Glad to be here. Uh, the Anglican Church is the oldest known Roman Catholic denomination in the country, but at the same time, it's one of the newest organized groups because it, for a long time, was just for British people. Uh, now it's fully Spanish-speaking church, and uh, we became church. we became an, uh, an in, a province two years ago. I am a diocesan bishop for two years because we, we all the dioceses were made for that. Uh, and uh, what we are trying to do is to, what Anglicans should do, bring Christ to the country. And that is what we are doing here. Great. And so a diocese that's only been uh, in existence for a couple of years, what are some of the challenges about starting from scratch effectively in that organized way? <clears throat> I would say we don't see challenges, we see blessings uh, in the sense that we are able to start with a clean slate. Uh, mm -hmm. we, we can create things. And one of the things we decided, at least in our diocese, is that we, in our priorities, Christ is the center. That's Christ is the center. But our priorities is to be biblical, missional, and pastoral. And uh, everything we do has to fulfill those goals. And we have been able to, to do that. And one of the things we are doing, and in that sense, the global Anglican will help us, is that we are trying to increase the knowledge of our, especially our clergy. And uh, so it's good to have a, now a magazine that is uh, going to be global, not just British. So it's good for that. Yeah, the, those of us in the, the Church of England with hundreds of years of uh, hierarchy and history might, might sometimes yeah. wish for a clean slate uh, to start some things yeah. <laughs> with. So I can see that would be exciting. Yeah. Um, Bishop Alfred, I guess things uh, a little bit different uh, in Uganda. Perhaps you could tell us a bit uh, about the history of the Anglican Church there and where things are at now. Yes, thank you. The church in Uganda began in 1879 uh, through the Church Missionary Society from England, largely. And in the first 10 uh, years of the planting of Christianity in this part of the world was rocked with persecutions. 
And with persecutions, you know, it really uh, is a catalyst for the growth of the gospel. And so by the end of the century, uh, it was again experiencing another form of persecution in which our Archbishop Janan Loom was murdered. And again, it catapulted us. And as I talk now, we are talking about 14 million Anglicans in a population of about 40 million Ugandans. Uh, the Roman Catholic Church is, of course, the largest following, but the Anglican Church is the second. Mm -hmm. But something unique for us as the Anglican Church is that in the 1920s, there was a new move, movement of the Spirit of God, uh, popularly known as the East African Revival Movement. That in itself brought within the church um, new life. And as I speak now, most of our church leaders are from that background of the revival movement. And the emphasis there is really about uh, Jesus Christ and not really walking with one leg in the world or in the culture and another leg in the church. You are either in the church for Jesus Christ or you are for culture, no sitting on the fence. But this revival movement has continued to keep the church alive. Uh, coming with time, all movements, you would realize they have their growth and sometimes their excesses. So the revival movement has had its own uh, shortfalls. It's still there and it's still doing a great job, but with the coming of the Pentecostal churches, uh, which is also fast growing in this part of the country, the revival movement has had some uh, legalism, which, which is not quite up to date with uh, the Christian gospel. Mm -hmm. But the church now, as I speak, is really growing. And this church is growing. It's full of young people, which is uh, something exciting. Uh, and of course, our population largely is of young people, but also full of women. And both young people and women, they bring along vibrancy, but also sometimes um, they bring some emotionalism into the way things are done in church. That's not bad in itself. For example, when we sing, our singing is so lively. The Christian singing is so lively, let alone the fact that for an African, whether it is entertainment, wherever singing is involved, the whole body moves. And so in our churches, you see the bodies moving. And uh, that's where we are coming from. It sounds absolutely wonderful. <laughs> yes. um, I wonder if um, both of you, and, and perhaps Peter, you might speak <clears throat> to this as well, could just talk about the importance of being part of a global uh, denomination, a global church, rather than something that's uh, just specific to, to a particular nation or a particular region. Why is it important um, to have that connection with something that is worldwide? Um, I don't know, Sammy, do you want to start on that? Yep. Christianity is global. So Anglicanism must be global because we are Christians. We are not a denomination. We are part of a global church. And uh, so I think uh, what you're doing in changing the name is uh, stressing that point. Anglicans should be global. It's Many cultures, many languages, I think in Spanish, uh, say, there are a lot of Christians who don't think in English and they pray to their God in a different language. But 
in the Anglican way. And uh, that is something that we have to take into account these days. Uh, we're multicultural, so we're able to reach a multicultural society. Uh, mm -hmm. If we were just, uh, let's say, just one culture, we would disappear in a generation. But because we are what we are, global, a global uh, church, different languages in different cultures, uh, we can reach uh, with Christ, everybody. So we have a future. Right? Wonderful. Just, just as you were saying that, we've had a comment from um, from Pablo saying he hopes to see some articles in Spanish. We, we'll uh, see. But it would be great we'll we'll to have translation <laughs> uh, yeah. to make uh, the journal more accessible in different places. Yeah. Um, yeah. Peter, do you have anything to add about the importance of a, a global uh, church. Well, I'm sitting here delighted because uh, I have worshipped with Sammy in his church and I have been with uh, Alfred in his theological college when he was there at Bishop Tucker and uh, worshipped with him, of course. I'm delighted because you hear about the East African revival, which is such an important phenomenon, and it's it has touched us in Australia mm -hmm. as we hear about it. And it challenge it continues to challenge us. Yeah. And if we in uh, in Australia and in Britain, Canada, elsewhere, could understand the importance of the East Africa revival. I don't mean importance in Africa. I mean its message is so important. It could revolutionise us mm -hmm. because its message is choose Christ or culture. Yeah. And the same with, uh, uh, you know, I have received so much from our friends in Chile uh, and uh, delight in our relationships there. Now, I'm speaking personally here because, in a sense, it is personal. And I just say that experience of knowing and uh, loving and serving alongside brothers and sisters in the Lord from all around the world, all one in Christ Jesus, is not a slogan, it's a truth. It's Great. a wonderful truth, it's an enriching truth. Yeah. Great. Uh, Alfred, I don't know whether you have anything else to, to add from your perspective on that. Well, uh, I just want to add, uh, first of all, I agree with my colleagues on that. But one thing I want to add is because Jesus is universal, he is global, there is only one Jesus. No Jesus for the African, no Jesus for those in Chile, no Jesus for the Australians, no Jesus for the British. One Jesus. I think that, first of all, is very powerful for me because it brings us all together. But secondly, it is wonderful that we get to hear different voices from different parts of the Anglican communion around the globe. It just mm -hmm. comes to bear in Christ Jesus. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Lee, were you going to uh, ask uh, some questions about how the journal itself might be useful? Yes, well, we have in the, um, in the uh, first edition of the Global Anglican, we have the various articles. Um, we have some mm. on theological education, the importance of principled theological education, um, on equipping bishops for their ministry today, and the role of missionary bishops in the growth of the church in Nigeria, for example. Um, all of you are, in one way or another, involved in theological education and see the importance of that for the future of the church. Uh, Ros teaching at Union School of Theology on the Priscilla program. Uh, Samuel, Alfred and Peter in various different ways involved in uh, theological education. Tell us about initiatives in your part of the world or globally that you've benefited from 
um, that's, that really see this need for theological education in the 21st century. Uh, Peter, I wonder if you'd start for us and tell us uh, something about the GAFCON initiatives that there have been for theological education. Oh, surely. Uh, well, uh, I think it's true to say it's a, more or less a truism that just as a, a, a church will not grow beyond its pastor, generally speaking, so too a denomination, a diocese, will not actually flourish beyond its theological education. Uh, and the, the theological education, of, particularly of those who preach, but also in the end of everybody, uh, depends upon the quality of the college or the provider of that theological education. <coughs> Gafcon has a has a has a dream, a vision, uh, of which the Global Anglican, uh, you know, is an ally in this. To see every bishop in the Anglican Communion have access to excellent theological education, and we've drawn up a sort of a philosophy of theological education, a philosophy that applies to a, a, a group of people meeting under a tree, or it applies to a great university, uh, because the centre of it is to know God and to know God in fellowship with other people. And those two principles, the, the, the business is to know God so that you may be equipped to make him known. And in the fellowship of others, uh, those who teach, those who learn, uh, these are integral to whatever theological education you have. Uh, so GAFCON has from its beginning recognised the central significance of theological education it's enormous importance, and what and we are doing all we can do, not enough yet, but we are doing it in order to support and strengthen theological education through the Anglican world. We just had a question about GAFCON, and I think maybe this is a good point just to say something by way of clarification there. Um, the Global Anglican is not formally affiliated with GAFCON in any way at all. Um, and, and so we, we want to make that really clear. The question is about whether the editorial stance is more GAFCON than church society. And I, I feel like that's maybe drawing a, a false distinction. Um, church society council members are all signed up to the Jerusalem Declaration. We're very supportive of the work of GAFCON and, and what it is trying to do in different ways, um, uniting uh, the uh, global Anglican communion uh, with those who are Orthodox. So we very much want to support that. Uh, but uh, the journal itself is still Church Society's theological journal um, and doesn't have any formal uh, affiliation with GAFCON. No, no, anyway. not at all. Yeah. No, That's exactly. great. Just to clarify that, and thank you for the question online. It's great that uh, those watching yeah. live on Facebook can uh, add their questions in the bottom there uh, in the comments and we'd be happy to answer those uh, if we can get to them. Uh, Bishop uh, Alpha, you, you taught in a theological college, a dean, I think, of the, the faculty. Um, what do you think are the big challenges for us in the 21st century for, for theological education in Africa, for example? Oh, that's a big question. <laughs> yes. Uh, I think challenges just keep coming every decade, you know. Uh, so to say... 21st century, I think I may not know it all, I may not even speculate it all, but there are perennial challenges which I think uh, we need to keep addressing. First of all, it's not very far from what Peter Jensen has said. We need the right faculty, right calling with right qualification. We need the right books that feed the minds and the hearts of this we are training. 
this century, we are not getting that uh, well. We need the right students. <laughs> there is also a problem. Sometimes the kind of students recruited are not the right ones. And we need the right students for the right uh, purpose. But we are also facing the question of money for training. That has continued to be, I know the world will never have enough money, but we must find models of how to raise the money and to train. Uh, I, for one, I face a huge challenge. I've taken over diocese with 66 parishes, and I have about 80 clergy, uh, none in PhD except me, <laughs> none uh, with uh, um, higher degrees except one master's, and then about 10 with a Bachelor of Divinity. The bulk are diploma and certificates. But things have moved on. We need people who can really understand the scripture and listen to God and interpret it well and engage and translate in a way that brings transformation as the gospel is always doing. And so our own people, first of all, yes, they have been able to reach out with the gospel. They brought people to Christ. But in terms of discipling the people, this is huge. I think this is one of the big issues in this century that we need to address. Discipleship has never worked well and is a lifelong journey. And uh, for example, now we are having another issue. COVID-19 has come in. It has brought huge consequences that even the little we were doing to disciple our Christians now is told we don't have the mission infrastructures to reach our own people. Uh, for example, we need now to be using the radio FM stations. Not everybody here has the radio. Not everybody here has the power. You think about using the touch phones. Not everybody has it. So technology has become a big issue for us to help us move on with the gospel in the face of COVID. So really the challenges are enormous. But having said that, uh, there are little models being made here and there that I see in the neighboring dioceses. And I, for one, I'm trying my own too uh, because I found the challenge of residential training is now huge because it comes with a lot of cost. It takes time, but with all the many things happening around us at the moment, it's making it very difficult to train people who can disciple people, who can make disciples, and yet the Lord has asked us to go out into the world and make disciples of all nations. Thank you. That's that's so helpful to hear that from you. And Bishop Bishop Sammy um, in, in Chile, it's been my privilege to speak at conferences and churches in Chile yeah, yeah. and also at, at SEP, your Centre for Pastoral Studies. Tell us how important the Centre for Pastoral Studies and the theological education it provides, how important is that for the vision of Anglicans in, in your part of the world? Well, our training centre has proven to be the key element for our growth in the last 20 years. Let's say, I am an old-fashioned guy. I'm one of the few who was trained before SEP. The average age of clergy in my diocese is around 30, 36. So they have at least 30 years of ministry 
before them, and they have been well trained. So uh, when we look uh, to the future, to 2015, we do it with confidence because we have been able to train our actual generation of leaders well, well established in the scriptures, well established uh, in Christ, and uh, that uh, allow us to go to speak to a society which is very, let's say, we're as agnostic uh, as a society, as you are in England or in Australia, but we are angry. We, you're not that as angry as we are as a society. Uh, and uh, we have the roots, we have the tools. SEP, our train, uh, center, training center, has been able to, uh, uh, even through, through SEP, we have received the tools, not just for the graduates, for everybody in the church. So we're quite uh, thankful for that. Really? We are we are trying to do that also uh, at the diocesan level. We are creating um, training from the cradle, cradle to the tomb. That's the way you say it. It's the a, cradle to the grave. Yes. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Uh, I I think in Spanish. So uh, yeah, I, uh, uh, the potter. They say, God is the potter, we are clay in his hands, and everybody has to be trained. We are disciples, we have to grow. And clergy are just one group, but if we just train the clergy and nobody else, we're in deep trouble. But if we train everybody, we, there is hope. Yes, and the clergy are there, of course, to equip God's people for works of yes. service. That's part of... I don't want to take away from what you just said there, but um, training bishops must be a very important thing too. We have an article on that, equipping today's uh, bishops for effective ministry and mission by Samson Maluda, who's been involved yeah. in the GAFCON uh, Bishops yeah. Training Initiative. How important do you think that is, Sammy, in, in training bishops to, to cope with their task for the 21st century? I would say that uh, you can be a very lonely bishop, uh, and that is sad news. If you're lonely, you need to be in fellowship with uh, fellow Christians, fellow bishops, to understand uh, what uh, a bishop, uh, what it means to be a bishop. Uh, BTI has been BTI's Bishops Training Institute, uh, which uh, Bishop Malunda. Uh, was in charge. Uh, that, I would say, it's a key element in this uh, idea of providing tools for the newer, newer, newer generation. Uh, if you don't know what you have to do, you'll just do whatever you read in a book. Uh, uh, and you may be uh, uh, reading the wrong book. <laughs> but if <laughs> yeah. you do it, if you do it in 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 fellowship, you will uh, receive knowledge from other Christians, and and, they, and you, then you you know people because Christianity is a community. Uh, Anglicans, uh, we we are a community, and we grow as a community, and uh, I think that's that's very important. Communications, what we are do, having now, it's, yes. it's it's key. It's key, uh, and uh, your journal uh, will help us in that. Now, that is 
let's say, I have read it before. Um, uh, I always go to, if I want to know what's going on, uh, I always go to the older editions. Uh, but it was always British. Mm. Now, my hope, it's from now on, is going to be global. Let's say I, I can not just receive uh, knowledge or wisdom from our British brothers and sisters, but uh, we will enrich ourselves uh, having knowledge and wisdom from Africa, Asia, South America, everywhere. even Australia. Even Australia. Australia. Um, <laughs> and this, of course, is the vision for those just joining us on Facebook. I see the numbers have been increasing. Uh, it's yeah. uh, a great pleasure for us today to announce yeah. that uh, Churchman, our theological journal, has now become the Global Anglican. And we have a new yeah. name, the Global Anglican, but also a new vision to, to reach Anglicans around the world. Yeah. We've been talking about theological education for clergy, uh, about training bishops. Yeah. I wonder, as I pass back to... Uh, so, Ros, Ros, you're a layperson in the church, you're not ordained, uh, and you're involved in training for lay people, particularly for women, through the Priscilla program uh, that Church Society runs in, uh, in partnership with Union School of Theology here in the UK. And yeah. um, we have a question actually on the, uh, on the Facebook comments there from, how, from someone, how does this journal help with, for lay people as well? How does it equip them? And that's from somebody who's in a rural church here in England. Why should they bother also subscribing to church? I'm, I'm sure there's a good reason or three. Yeah, well, there are lots of good reasons. I mean, you know, the, when we say to lay people, lay people are obviously a pretty broad group of people with very different gifts and interests and ways of serving the church. And I don't know that everybody is going to be somebody who needs to be reading a theological journal. Um, but I do want to encourage you just to think that if you are a lay person, that doesn't mean you are not a theologian. It doesn't mean that you should not be thinking about how you can love the Lord with your mind as well as with your heart and your soul and your strength. Um, so particularly if you are somebody uh, who uh, has an interest in theology, if you're somebody who God has gifted with an able mind, why would you not want to turn it to thinking of uh, things of the Lord? And because, as Peter mentioned, uh, the Global Anglican continues in Churchman's tradition of being a generalist journal, our articles are aimed at not uh, sort of highfalutin academics in the top of their ivory towers, but pastors and students and interested lay people. Uh, so anybody, I see Mark Smith has just reminded us in the comments, we are of course all lay people, uh, clergy as well, but even those who are not ordained, to, to be thinking about how you could uh, best understand uh, what God is doing in his church, uh, to understand uh, the nature of the faith that we believe. Um, the book reviews that we include in the back are a really wide range, uh, many of which are more at a popular level rather than just the scholarly tones. So I really would encourage you, if you've not read the journal before, um, download the first edition for free on the website, have a look at it and see if it is something that you think, actually, yes, I could read this. I could uh, challenge myself to think a bit further uh, on those things. I just want to mention two other things. Um, uh, Sammy, you mentioned your real hope that we would have more global authors and we absolutely want to see that. One of the ways we want to encourage that uh, is that we're just announcing today the first of the 
Global Anglican Essay Prizes. Um, so we did run an essay prize previously as churchmen, but we're now running the Global Anglican Essay Prize. Yeah. And that is open to people from across the world. Um, we would love to see uh, submissions from people uh, from every continent. Um, all the uh, details about how you can uh, submit your entry are on the website, but I want to just let you know, it's not due until October 2021. So you have a little bit of time to think about what you might want to write uh, and get that together and submit it to us. And the other great news that we have uh, to announce today is that the back uh, catalogue, the archive of churchman issues, I think not perhaps going all the way to 1879. Um, I've got 1934 in my head. But anyway, some substantial chunk of our archive is now available in full text, searchable on the Atlas Serials database. So if you're part of an institution, a college uh, or a library that has the Atla database, you'll be able to access all of those back uh, issues uh, that we've been hearing have been so useful to people. And obviously that will be ongoing as well. So the Global Anglican will continue to be uh, catalogued and available through that as we move forward. Lee, I don't know whether we have any other new questions. Uh, well, there have been lots of comments about uh, theology being the knowledge of God and how that's for everybody. Uh, some interesting questions from uh, European Anglicans. Good to be joined by those in Germany and Austria uh, and other places too. Uh, and they're hoping that this will be a way to develop Christian leaders, building gospel ministry uh, in, in England and other parts of the country too. Um, <clears throat> we did have another essay prize uh, recently, the Gerald Bray Essay Prize, and you could find that uh, in those back editions of Churchman, uh, the winning uh, entry. Uh, and I think that will be a good thing going forward to get more and more people from around the world contributing to our journal and to our theological intellectual life together as we think about these things. Well, I think it would be good if we uh, if we launch our new journal and this initiative um, into the future by bathing it in prayer uh, and it'd be good to to have some prayers from around the world as we uh, commit this ministry to the Lord and pray that it be useful to him so I wonder if, uh, if all our contributors today would be able to to pray for us and to pray for this ministry if I could ask our uh, editor to, to begin for us and then uh, Sammy and Alfred if you could then also pray for us and if you're joining us on Facebook Please say amen and pray your own prayers along too. So let's pray for the global Anglican and for those it serves. Uh, let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you as we remember the history of this journal. We thank you for the memory of those who have steered it, those who have blessed us through it. We thank you for the memory, for example, of J.C. Ryle and what he did to get it going and his whole ministry. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that you would help us in this new age uh, to be faithful to the original vision, uh, to be faithful to your word, to care for your people. We pray, Heavenly Father, that our journal, thinking now more globally, may indeed be a blessing upon people in all parts of the world, and especially Anglicans, but not only Anglicans, we pray, Heavenly Father, that the articles we write and the, and the book reviews will simply be something that people look forward to and are blessed by and further equipped 
to preach the wonderful name of Jesus. And we ask this in his name. Amen. Amen. We praise you, O Lord, for the privilege of being part of your people. We praise you because you are personally involved in what is going on in your body here on earth. Allow us to be loyal to you. Allow us to be Christ-centered in what we do and what we say, what we think. Allow us to fulfill your goal, to make disciples everywhere. Allow us to preach the gospel so your name will be known by everybody. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen. God, our Heavenly Father, we want to continue to bless your name for your Son, Jesus Christ, who draws us together from east, north, south, west in him. We pray that this journal will continue to enlighten our minds to know you deeply, to live for you, to serve you, to have a testimony about you in academia as well as in pastoral work. We pray, Lord, that we will continue to be a family, a family of Jesus Christ, that this journal pulls us together and move us forward in gospel work. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Heavenly Father, you are the creator and sustainer of our world, the only ruler redeemer of the peoples on earth fill us we pray with a knowledge of your will with all spiritual wisdom and understanding that we may know you better and that we may live lives that are worthy of you in every way we pray today that you would bless the ministry of the global anglican journal that over the next 150 years or however long it may by your grace, bear witness to the truth of your holy word and equip your people for works of service. For we ask in the precious name of your dear Son, our Saviour Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thank you so much for joining us today, bishops uh, from around the world. It's been great to have you here and great to have your support and encouragement uh, for the ministry of the global Anglican. Ros, do we have any final uh, questions or comments that we need to uh, Lots in? of amens. So it's been really delightful to be joined uh, by people watching us live. If you've only just tuned in, uh, this has been recorded and it will be available uh, to watch later. Uh, but in the meantime, please do go to the website and download the first issue of the global Anglican. Thanks so much, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay.